This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. So grateful to have a few moments to spend some time together this morning. And our theme uh, that we're going to reflect on together is prayer. What is prayer? A lot of us were taught various things. We have various ideas about it, various understandings. But prayer is one of those things that sometimes feels difficult to nail down. And particularly if you've gone on a journey of faith, a lot of the notions of prayer you grew up with just don't seem to fit anymore. Well, it's a little bright out here where I am, and since we're talking about prayer, uh, one of my favorite spots to to pray uh, and to meditate is our uh, contemplative treehouse, so we'll just take a little walk over there a minute. I'll just let you see, there it is, over my shoulder. My wife and uh, son built that last summer, uh, and it's a great spot to read, to hang out, uh, and so on. So, let's go. See some flowers. And I'll spin you around, give you a view. There's our backyard office shed. There we go. So prayer. What is prayer? Right? The thing we're taught when we're growing up is prayer is talking to God. And so maybe you're taught a bedtime prayer, uh, you know, before you go to sleep. And usually it's, maybe it's a rhyming thing when you're a young child, but then as you're older, you're maybe told, well, prayer is a time to say thank you to God for all the good things in your life and a time to maybe ask God for things, right? Things you'd like to have happen in your life, uh, prayer for people that you care about, maybe people with health concerns, and so on. And prayer... You know, it's kind of God is out there and um, we're here and prayer is a way to communicate, a way to talk and a way to maybe get God to do things for us, <laughs> right? We're maybe not told explicitly, but we're often implicitly taught through understandings of prayer that God's a little bit like a vending machine. We can kind of, you know, put in the right change or the right prayers and the things we want will sort of drop out. Well, that view of prayer is kind of unsatisfactory for me, and I think for most of us, um, but prayer still seems like something that we lean on, right? When we're facing a big decision, or something important is happening in our lives, or our world, or when there's a friend or loved one who is uh, not doing well, or has a a severe illness. Well, 
the Baal Shem Tov was a rabbi in Poland in the 1700s. Baal Shem Tov uh, means master of the good name, uh, or Besht for short. And so he was uh, considered a mystic and a healer, and there's a lot of stories told about his life and ministry. And he was also the founder of Hasidic Judaism. And it was said that when the Baal Shem Tov had a difficult task before him, he would go to a certain place in the woods, light a fire, and meditate in prayer. And then he was able to perform whatever the task was that he had before him. And a generation later, the story goes, the Magid of Metzrik was faced with the same task. And so he went to the same place in the woods, but he had forgotten exactly how to light the fire as the Baal Shem Tov had done it. And he said, I can no longer light the fire, but I can pray the prayers. And so he prayed as the Baal Shem Tov had prayed, and then he was able to accomplish the task before him. Well, a generation after that, Rabbi Moshe Lev had to perform a similar task. And so he too went into the woods, but not only had he forgotten how to light the fire, he forgot the prayers as well. And so he said, I can no longer light the fire and I no longer know the secret meditations belonging to the prayers, but I do know the place in the woods to which it all belongs. And so I can go there and he did. And then he was able to accomplish the task. It was enough. Well, yet another generation passed and Rabbi Israel Salanter was called upon to perform a task. He sat down in the chair in his castle and said, I cannot light the fire, I cannot speak the prayers, and I do not know the place in the forest. <laughs> but I can tell the story of how it was once done and that has to be sufficient and sufficient it was. Right, so the point is, it's not about praying a certain way. It's not about a certain ritual or certain words, right? It's about an intention of the heart, right? It's about uh, an inner posture. And that's enough. That's enough to face whatever it is before us. And I like that because it reminds us, uh, you know, that we don't have to get prayer right, right? Sometimes it's just about uh yeah, having that right inner posture, and that's enough. Well, another story is told, uh, this one in the Bible, of when the people of Israel were fleeing from Egypt. And if you remember, they were, after all the plagues, Pharaoh let them go, but then Pharaoh changed his mind and sent his army after them. Well, the people of Israel come upon the Red Sea, and the army of the Egyptians is bearing down fast upon them. So they're between this ocean or the sea and this advancing army, a tight spot. Uh, what are we going to do? And so Moses naturally turns to God in prayer. And interestingly, instead of answering God's prayer, God says in Exodus 14, 15, why are you crying out to me? Well, uh, one of the rabbis said that God was saying in effect to Moses, my children are in trouble. The seas shuts them off on one side and the enemy pursues them on the other. And yet you stand and make long prayers. What are you doing, right? In other words, 
enough talking, enough praying, just do something. Just do something. And again, it highlights, right? Sometimes it's not about performing some religious ritual or saying certain words. Sometimes you just do what needs to be done and trust that it's enough. Trust that it's enough. Now, of course, one's view of prayer is dependent on one's view of God, one's understanding of who God is. And if you imagine God as being a far-off being, uh, you know, maybe off in heaven somewhere, external to us, separate, separated, and so on, making decisions up there about heaven and hell, about um, car accidents and disease, about natural disasters and really good parking places, right? If you have that view of God, well, that will inform your view of prayer and how you pray. But I no longer have that view of God, and I'm guessing uh, most of you tuning in do not either. Piero Ferrucci, the Italian philosopher, says that prayer is not a request for God's favors. He says, true, it's been used to obtain the satisfaction of personal desires. It's even been adopted to reinforce prejudices, to justify violence, to create barriers between people and between countries. So he notes prayer has been misused, certainly. But he says, but genuine prayer is based on recognizing the origin of all that exists and opening ourselves to it. Isn't that beautiful? Prayer is recognizing the origin of all that exists and opening ourselves to it. He says, in prayer, we acknowledge God as the supreme source from which flows all strength, all goodness, all existence, acknowledging that we have our being, life itself, from this divine source. One can then communicate with this source and ultimately place oneself in the very center of it. I love this idea of God as the source. God is the source of all goodness. Beautiful, beautiful. And it reminds us, right, that the holy or the sacred is all around us in every moment and in every place, right? So I don't have to come to a contemplative treehouse, right, to pray. But of course, there are settings in which we feel like we can tune in better, right? We can, we can center ourselves. Uh, they seem more apt, right, for us to connect. And not only is the sacred around us in every moment and in every place, it's within us. It's within us. And this idea, of course, puts prayer in a much different light, in a much different light. Listen to these words from Psalm 1 as rendered or translated by Nan Merrill. Blessed are those who walk hand in hand with goodness, who stand beside virtue, who sit in the seat of truth, for their delight is in the spirit of love, and in love's heart they dwell day and night. I love that. In love's heart they dwell day and night. That's a beautiful, I think, understanding of prayer. And then it goes on. They are like trees planted by streams of water that yield fruit in due season 
and their leaves flourish, and in all that they do, they give life. Man, that's beautiful. I love that. By the way, if you've never read uh, Nan Merrill's Book of Psalms, she's got uh, a nice book of psalms, all 150 psalms, uh, translated all right, through her translation. And it's, it's such a beautiful, invitational um, rendering of the psalms. And I often use it uh, for my own times of, of prayer and meditation. Now, the mystic and contemplative Cynthia Bourgeau talks about prayer as silence. Prayer as silence. A wordless, trusting opening of the self to the divine presence. I love that. And you may think this, this idea of prayer as silence or uh, contemplative prayer, that this is only for monks and mystics, right? For super spiritual people. But Bourgeau says, no, far from being advanced, uh, contemplative prayer is about the simplest form of prayer there is. It's simple. Gerald May, uh, the psychologist and contemplative, one of the co-founders of the Shalem Institute, a contemplative center in Washington, D.C., Gerald May talks about prayer as presence, or even as simple presence, lest we think it gets too complicated or too esoteric. It's like when you visit uh, a friend, right? A friend who's gone through something very difficult, maybe even a tragedy. And your friend is struggling, maybe grieving. And in those moments, you go to be with that friend, right? Just to be with them. And it isn't about the words that you say. And often it's maybe better if you don't say much or anything. It's simply being there. Presence. And yet, even in those moments, and I'm sure you've had moments like that in your life, as you think about that, wasn't there this profoundly deep connection that happened in that wordless silence, in that presence? And so we're invited to think about prayer like that. It's simply being present. I almost like to think of it as a tuning in. A tuning in. When I meditate, practice silence, I feel more connected to what's happening in me, right? So there's a tuning in to, to myself when I think of prayer, when I practice prayer this way. I not only tune into myself, I tune into what's happening around me. So when I practice silence, I feel more connected to what's happening in my life and to the people in my life. And I also feel more tuned in to God, or to the holy, or to the sacred, or however you want to name that. Prayer as presence, prayer as tuning in. And 
frankly, this idea of prayer has totally changed the way I pray. In fact, I rarely pray with words anymore, right? Except in obviously formal situations, you know, church services, maybe before a meal, right? But when I'm by myself, there aren't a lot of words, and not only aren't there a lot of words being spoken, but I'm not even thinking words, if I can help it. I'm not even thinking words. I'm simply seeking to be present. And this may sound, right, simple. In many ways it is, right? As Bourgeau said, it is simple. But we also know ourselves, right, that our minds are busy, right? So if you've ever tried this meditation, sitting in silence, contemplating, you know how hard it can be because your intention is to enter into the silence. But when you do that, your mind is sometimes is still going a million miles an hour, right? Our brains are active. And when we settle ourselves, a lot of the things that's been sort of suppressed in our lives, because we live busy lives, there's a lot going on, we haven't processed a lot of our emotions or a lot of the events that have happened, stuff bubbles up and our minds are just spinning and spinning. And that's okay, right? That's okay. We're not doing it wrong at that point. But the more we practice this, the more we find we're able to even transcend that and find a place of calm amidst that inner chaos. And that's a beautiful place to be. Bourgeau gives the example of sitting at the bottom of a river. Now don't worry, you've got scuba gear on and, and oxygen, so you can breathe just fine. But it's like you're sitting at the bottom of a river, maybe you found a comfortable rock to lean against, and above you is all the traffic of the river, right? So maybe there's boats going overhead, kayaks, maybe people swimming. And she says, those are like our the thought, busy thoughts in our mind. And when we are practicing silence, we just sit and observe our thoughts like we're at the bottom of that river and we just let them go. Just let them drift on without judging. They're neither good nor bad, they just are. They just are. And when we can let them go, we can find that inner calm, we can find that inner quiet. But of course we live in such a busy, noisy, chaotic world. Even where I am now, you, I'm sure you hear some of the road traffic, um, there's a cat around here somewhere who might show up and meow. And so there are things we can do, right, to try to find the silence within the busyness. I like to ring a bell. You can find a bell like this online. This one was not very expensive. And when you ring that bell and hear it reverberate, It can just allow you to tune in and to be centered. And so I now see prayer as just that presence, tuning in, being still, tuning into myself, what's happening around me, tuning into God. And no words are needed, right? Just stillness. And in that stillness, right, the more I practice this, I find things welling up within me, right? I find uh, depths of peace 
within me. I find hope welling up in me. I find my longing for for justice and goodness in the world expanding. My compassion for other beings expanding. And I find that I'm a more patient and present person when I'm around people, when I've been practicing uh, prayer and silence and meditation. And this, I find that I'm able to become the answer to many of the things that formerly I would have asked God for in my previous understandings of prayer. That's a beautiful thing, right? A beautiful thing. And so in the end, prayer is as simple as finding a quiet place to sit and entering the silence. And with enough practice, with enough practice, you become the calm center of quiet wherever you go in our busy, chaotic world. And no doubt that will be the answer to someone's prayer. Amen and namaste. Peace be with you, friends. Until next time. Invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.